You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Good. Mythical morning. No, 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 no. Not good mythical morning. Good spiritual. No. <laughs> What's the matter with that? Good spiritual awareness yeah. from this podcast. <laughs> That's what we hope to bring you, folks. Good joy filled day coming to you from the Sewing and Growing podcast. Now my accent's going. I don't know why. You're, <laughs> you're going. Desmond. Yeah, I am going. No, I'm we haven't going. forgotten about you, Desmond. Desi, Starting these so podcasts much. off. All right. Good day to you, audio listener. Thank you so much for tuning in. We say thank you almost every single week, but we truly mean it. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast. Um, today, I'm very excited because we have the first installment of a new potentially recurring series, theme on this recurring podcast. Theme, and that would be a sewing and growing book club if you know who oprah winfrey is which i'm assuming most of you know she has a very prestigious list that people try and make it on every single year and that is the oprah winfrey book club right they are books that have influenced her life and she tells people about them and then a bunch of other people read them so we hope that we have enough influence in your life that the books that we say have influenced our lives you give them a read or a listen right we know that audiobooks exist we know people have busy schedules, and I am not opposed to listening to an audiobook or reading a real book. I encourage you to read as much as you can. It's a discipline. A lot of times, throwing on an audiobook, there's no discipline in that because you're driving to your destination, but you're still getting information. And you said this beforehand faith comes by hearing. Right? Romans 10 17. Comes by hearing, comes by an audiobook. The spoken word can <laughs> change you. Right? So, we're going to go ahead and list some books off today that we've read that have impacted and influenced our lives, and hopefully you'll give them a read or a listen as well. Five different subjects, six different subjects. I think I got six different subjects. So um, I would be lying to you if I said that all I read was the Bible and Christian books. Um, I read and listen to certain audiobooks that cover a vast uh, variety of genres. Okay, Um, We're going to make this disclaimer real quick. Of Of the books that we're listing, the Bible's not on there. But the wisdom found silence, in the please. Bible is in all of these books. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it goes without saying, oh, but I am going to say it. We read the Bible. It would be number one. That's the book you should be reading the most and gleaning from the most. But there are other books out there that are very helpful, and those are the books that we're talking about today. All right. Let's jump right into this. So I got some categories here. We've got spiritual. You can call it religious. You can call it Christian. Um, it's just listed on my paper here as spiritual. We've got leadership autobiography, self-help, or you can, as you like to call it, personal enrichment. I just came up with that, but it sounded better than self-help. Self-help gets a bad rip Yeah, and we've got fiction, and then we've also got children's, um, because children's books are good to read from time to time. Um, Especially if you have kids. Yeah, or if you're a child. (laughs) First one here, um, not on my list, but first one I want to talk about is leadership, Okay. Two books, well, one book for me, one book from him that we read on leadership that have helped our life. This book that I'm going to mention, it was a book that we read as a staff here at the church, and I really liked it because it is a story. It's like an allegory, um, so it's not just like point one, point two, point three, how to be a better person or better leader, um, but it's a, a story that you're following, and then you draw and glean wisdom out of it. It's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. Here's two quotes from that. First quote, he says this, commitment is a function of two things, clarity 
and buy-in. And he says this, trust is knowing that when a team member does push you, they're doing it because they care about the team. Um, and then he goes on to list the five dysfunctions of the team. And really the, the exact opposite of those are really uh, the five foundations of a healthy team. John, you want to go ahead and list those for me? Yes. Starting off, you always build trust with a team as the bedrock of a healthy and successful team. From trust, you get to a spot where you can have the second level, which is healthy confrontation. You can address the tables that are really there present and they don't get ignored. From that, you get to a spot of commitment where you can commit to a singular goal or action step you're about to take. Since you've built those three after the event, after you've performed the purpose, you have accountability. You actually address what happened and if it reached the expectations. And if you follow those four, you get to the pinnacle, which is results. Results. Give that book a read or a listen. It's available in hardcover, paper cover, and audio. Yes. And oh, or like or like Nook, you know, Kindle. Yeah. Like ebook. ebook. I guess you call that e-reader. E-book, right? E-reader. There you go. That's book number one. My leadership book that I want to mention is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And I don't have my phone on me because my phone got locked inside my car right now. But I'm still choosing joy as I'm bringing you this podcast. I really enjoyed this book because Simon Sinek did a lot of research concerning successful organizations that people are passionate about. For example... People have Harley-Davidson tattoos. People do not have Procter & Gamble tattoos on their body. What's the difference? They're both organizations. What's the difference? Well, the difference is some organizations and businesses communicate more than the two most commonly communicated things. What they do and how they do. And they get to the core, the bullseye, the heart of the matter. And that is why we do what we do. And this is important not only in business, but in family and relationships. I really like history. I like examples and stories. And he gives stories from uh, Southwest Airlines. He gives stories from the white, not white brothers. Wright Wright Brothers. Brothers. They flew the first airplane. It's really entertaining. You're going to enjoy it and your life's going to be blessed. Nice. All right, let's move on um, to self-help. Oh, personal enrichment. Personal enrichment. Personal enrichment books. Sometimes these are like a dime a dozen. There's so many out there. A lot of them really don't help you. I think of Tony Robbins. I do think of Tony Robbins. He's got a lot of good things to say. He's got a raspy voice. He does have a raspy voice. And he looks tall. Is he tall? I don't know. I've never met him. (laughs) Uh, We'll say this real quick as another disclaimer. The people that we list on here, we're just talking solely about that singular book that we've read. Not their whole body of work and what they do, what they say. And and maybe not even everything in the book always. Right. Yeah. So we're going to be as wise as... uh, as an old cow, right? <laughs> yes, an old cow who will chew the hay and spit out the sticks, take right. what's good, leave what's bad, yeah. and have the wherewithal and the wisdom to know the yeah. difference. I say that because I think this book might have some language in it now that I'm reflecting back on it, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a good book. Um, so this book is called The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins, and she actually breaks down scientifically how your brain will try and talk you out of an idea that comes into your head, and that process usually starts after five seconds. So her whole a theory here is if you can make a decision or act upon a decision within the five seconds that it enters your brain, you will most likely do that. Um, so 
decisions in your life, like getting out of bed, right? Should I get gas now versus in the morning? You know, I should deposit my check, whatever it is, making those decisions within five seconds before your brain can talk you out of it. And here's a really good quote from that book. She said, there's one thing that is guaranteed to increase your feelings of control over your life. And that is a bias towards action. And I am proof that this theory works. I don't apply it all the time, but when I need to get things done and I need to be productive, I always implement this rule, which is a lot better than what I used to implement when I was younger. Like when I needed to get out of bed, I would make deals with God and sometimes even promise him. I'd say, I'd get out, I'm going to get out of bed in three, two, one. You shouldn't make deals with God. You should just practice the art of self-discipline, and this book is going to help you tremendously. And again, this isn't with big subjects like no. buying a house. Right. Five, four, three, two, one, sold. Yeah. <laughs> it's take out the trash. That one, you might do the five-day rule, right? <laughs> Sleep on it for a few nights. Right, but the majority yes. of our daily decisions, we can apply this five-second rule. Right, and the little things um, really are what uh, – are, are the determining factor of how productive you are in life. Those little things like get, getting out of bed, right? Um, I've belabored the point long enough. Go to your book. Very interesting that you said the little things because that's a book by the author I'm going to mention in Personal Enrichment, and that is Andy Andrews. I've already done an episode where we reviewed The Seven Decisions, but my all-time favorite book from him uh, is a book by the name of The Butterfly Effect. And I've ministered on part of this book because he is a Christian. He came from a ministering family. He's a motivational speaker and a personal uh coach, I would say is his rule now and a historian. And a quote from that book is this, you have been created, created in order that you might make a difference. You have within you the power to change the world. And I know that sounds, I'm going to say a dime a dozen again. You hear that everyone's parent hopefully <laughs> said that to you to some degree in the world. Yeah. And it just falls on deaf ears because we've heard it so much, but he uses historical characters and how they're connected and they ripple throughout history. And he starts with Joshua Chamberlain, who's a civil war hero for the union and how if he didn't take a stand during Gettysburg, historians say the union wouldn't have won. And then it shows how a man in a slave state who after the civil war uh, took into his own home a baby who ended up becoming George Washington Carver. And then George Washington Carver took a professor's son under his wing. And that professor's son ended up hybridizing a corn seed for a dry climate and saving, wow. I think, maybe a billion lives. Whoa. So who did it? Was it Joshua Chamberlain? Was it the former, uh, was it Moses Carver right. who took a slave boy or a son mm. of a slave into his home? Or was it the person who hybridized the corn seed? The thing is, is you are making a difference in the world, whether you're acting or not, because yeah. indifference is action mm. and action will change things. And this one, I'll be honest. I don't know if I always believed it after reading this book. I believed it. And I'll say this. It's probably the shortest book, even with the children's books. It's super small. It's colorful. Yeah. And I was kind of sad to see how cheap it was. You can get it for under $10. <laughs> so hop on Amazon. Right. And the movie has nothing to do with the books. So yeah, do this not has nothing to do with Ashton Kutcher's Ashton Butterfly Kutcher. Effect. <laughs> Completely different. Do not endorse that. Have not watched it. <laughs> Check out The Butterfly Good Effect one. by Andy Andrews. All right. Moving on to the next category. This is um, one that probably a lot of us don't read very much of. Um, I don't read very much of this, um, but I have read a few. And that's autobiography, or you could call it a memoir. Um, this is one that I read, read in high school 
It rocked me. I still remember it to this day. One of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. Um, and that is the memoir called A Long Way Gone by Ishmael Bea. I'll say that again if you're taking mental notes. A Long Way Gone by Ishmael Bea. So it's a story of a man who was a child soldier in the war in Sierra Leone. Um, so he was ripped from his family and became a, a forced to be a child soldier. So it's about his time reflecting on what that was like and how he got out of it. This is one of those books where you call you call it a sit on the edge of your seat. You call it a, a nail biter. Like what happens next? If it was a Netflix series, you'd watch the whole thing. You'd binge in it. one night. You'd binge it. It is that good, and it's that emotional. Like I cried in my English teacher's classroom because it was that intense. And there's parts of that book where he was in this camp. They fed these boys twice a week. And what they would do is they'd put a bowl on the ground and they would give them 30 seconds. And whatever they finished in that 30 seconds was all they got to eat. And they only ate twice a week. So there's a quote from this book. They're, they're, these aren't like really profound like quotes, but they're just things from the book. And he said this, when I was very little, my father used to say, if you are alive, there is hope for a better day and something good to happen. There's nothing good left in the destiny of a person. He or she will die. And that is like sandwiched between really intense stories of friends dying, th th decisions and choices that he had to make that were life altering. And then ultimately how he got out of it. If you want a good read, listen or read or listen, check out that book, A Long Way Gone by Ishmael Bea. The biography I'm going to mention is called The Heavenly Man by Brother Yun. Woo. Also an amazing yeah, that book. That was a I almost listed that. He almost listed it. He said, if you don't list it, I'm listing it. I'm listing it. Or it's so if good. I don't list it, you have to yeah. list it, John, yeah. because it is so good. And I've passed it around to my friends. They've passed it Ooh. around. I'll just read the description. The dramatic autobiography of one of China's dedicated, courageous, and intensely persecuted house church leaders. This is the gripping story of how God took a young, half-starved boy from a poor village in Henan province and placed him on the front line for Jesus. In the face of impossible odds, instead of focusing on the many miracles or experiences of suffering, however, Yun prefers to focus on the character and beauty of Jesus. Interspersed with his personal account are contributions from his wife, Bailing, made mostly during her husband's frequent periods of imprisonment. The passion that this man had for Jesus, the tenacity to undergo beatings, starvation, electrocution. Yeah. They actually stuck a metal mm -hmm. like cattle a prong yeah. in his mouth, <sighs> tossed him in sewers. As a young boy, not having a Bible, he fasted for days just so yeah. he could get the Bible. Or did he get? A, did he have a dream or a vision of he a had man a dream bringing or vision him bread? Of a man bringing him bread, and just like that vision, it happened. Right. So yeah, he gets a knock on the door. And Crazy. He stories. opens it, and the guy's like, "I'm here to bring you your bread." And he uh, opens up the the blanket, and it's a Bible. Yes. And pretty yeah. much prayed and fasted yeah. it in as a young boy. Yeah. He eventually gets arrested. China has been searching for him for a long time. I believe they might even break his legs and he's in a prison cell. And yeah. just similar to Peter, an angel mm -hmm. comes to him and says, get up. And yeah. he literally walks out of the prison. And as he goes to doors, doors are opening, opening in front of him. Yeah. And he ends up fleeing 
to Germany, but eventually he feels led by God to come to the United States Mm -hmm. and be a missionary to the United States. So what I get out of these books, uh, listeners, is a wake-up call. Because I look at my dedication to the Lord, and I look at Brother Yun's dedication to the (laughs) Lord, and I'm challenged, Mm -hmm. I'm sobered, and I believe that's exactly why God called him to the United States as a missionary, because... We need missionaries here in the United States. Let Brother Yun minister yeah. to you. He, he actually taught at a church, a local church here in the Valley. He did. Um, yeah. We both shed tears over that book. Amazing. Amazing book. All right. Let's get into the next category here. I'm going to get into the fiction category. This is this is one where people are like, fiction? Like, what? like reading novels? I'm going to tell you this, that you don't have to be like a Gary Vaynerchuk 24-7, right? You don't always have to be... You shouldn't be. Self-improvement. How do I get better? Leadership, 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 leadership. Um, studies have shown that type A personalities are the ones that are most inclined to read leadership and self-help books, but they are the least empathetic out of all personality types. And the reason why I say that is that it's actually also been scientifically proven through studies that reading fiction will help you with your empathy. Can I say something about type A personalities and how that was developed? Yeah. They actually weren't trying to find the most driven people. They were figuring out why people were having heart attacks. (laughs) And it came out as type A. (laughs) So it's prone. Yeah. So, hey, it's okay to read a novel. Right. It is okay to not constantly having to be improving or finding something to improve your life or your business or your job. You need to take time to relax, enjoy something. Um, and that's where fiction comes in. All right. I'm not, I, this is probably the least amount. Like I don't read fiction that much, right. Of the, of the pie graph that's in front of me right now, it's a sliver, but it's important. Okay. And it holds a near and dear spot to my heart. These books hold uh, a near and dear spot to my, f- I almost said fart. <laughs> um, and I'm going to come across as a nerd and as a geek. I don't know how you feel about these books, but I'm going to say it anyways. Okay. The Lord of the Rings. All right. People are laughing, <laughs> but it's okay. The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, actually, Lord of the Rings is the sixth most read book in the history of mankind. If you knew that. If you didn't, now you know that. Um, there, uh, the author, J.R.R. Tolkien, he was a devout Catholic. Um, he was like best friends with C.S. Lewis. A lot of people know C.S. Lewis. You should read his body of work. His body of work, as, as in C.S. Lewis, is very allegorical. Um, it all has a meaning. Um, uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings is not. It is not an allegory. And actually, J.R.R. Tolkien detested allegories. Um, so, you know, if you read these books, you know, Frodo is not Jesus, you, but you can, you can pull out some really good parallels. Um, so it's not an allegory, but, um, it's really what I think is a, it's an outpouring of his understandings of, of God and, and the world and sin and goodness, the battle between good and evil. Um, I really loved these books. I read them in middle school. Um, and then they obviously made them into movies. Um, whether you've seen them or not, I'll leave that up to you. But um, very descriptive, very long, so it's not for everybody. But they paint a world that you can immerse yourself in. You attach yourself to the characters. You experience empathy. Um, and you get lost in these worlds sometimes. It's really fun. One of the quotes that a lot of people love to say, and they don't know where it came from, is not all who wander are lost. That's actually from Lord of the Rings. Mm. So, And then um, another quote from Lord of the Rings is, uh, it says, 
Uh, this is Gandalf speaking. I'm not going to tell you who Gandalf is. It's fine. He says, he that breaks a thing to find out what it is has left the path of wisdom. A lot of great things in these books. Um, you don't need to read them, but find something that's not that's out of the norm, a novel, and read it. Treat yourself. My fiction <laughs> is also fantasy, but pales in comparison to the esteem of Lord of the Rings. And it's by an author, you, unless you're a Christian, which most of our listeners are Christian, you probably don't know this guy. And some Christians don't know him. The majority don't. His name is Ted Decker. But in Christian fantasy and Christian fiction, he's actually very well yeah. known. And as a high school student and a young adult, he was my favorite author. And I read almost every one of his books. But he is most famous probably for his Circle Trilogy, which is black, red, and white. And then mm -hmm. they actually made a fourth one called Green. Mm -hmm. And his books really tie in together. And even books outside of the Circle Trilogy will go back and reference parts of this Circle yeah. Trilogy. And it's also fun because he spent a lot of his time while he wrote this book and the these books and the majority of his other books living, I believe in Mesa County. So he references Colorado a lot and yeah. places like Delta and Grand Getting Junction. E470 <laughs> like stuff like that. Thomas Hunter is yeah. the main character of the Circle Trilogy and he's actually from Denver and he's living not an amazing life, kind of rough, kind of a classic start yeah. to somebody you you can identify with because yeah. he's not amazing and i believe he gets injured on colfax he gets a gunshot exactly yeah. but what happens to thomas hunter is when he falls asleep or he comes in consciousness and out of consciousness he wakes up in a different world yeah. and he's destined to be a hero in both worlds so there's a great Pull. And it's mm -hmm. a great allegory. Is. This is all about is allegory, allegory for sure. of who God is in salvation and the gospel. And it's extremely entertaining. You got me hooked on those books and they had audiobook versions. And so when we were both working maintenance together, I'd be on the lawnmower listening. And at lunch, I'd be like, dude, and I'd tell you everything about it. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah wait, just wait till this part. <laughs> it was amazing. Amazing, amazing books. Those would be on my list as well. But they're not. <laughs> they're on your list. So that, <laughs> Which is why we mentioned. might have a book club again because yeah. there's more books that we love. All right. We got two more categories before we go here. Um, let's go into children's because um, when I was making this list, I was like, what books really impacted me the most? And you're probably thinking, Lord of the Rings? Yeah, shut up. Okay, they did. Um, but this one as a child, I remember um, my mom reading it to me and then coming to a point where I actually started to understand what the book meant and then I was reading it like with her and it rocked me. I am an emotional guy. I've learned to suppress a lot of that stuff. Maybe I need to be a little bit more vulnerable. But as as I grew up, my mom would say that there was just a lot of things that would really pull on my emotions. And this book was one of them. Um, this book is called The Giving Tree. Classic. By Shel Silverstein um, or Silverstein, however you want to say it. Um, if you have not read this book, Read it yourself. Seems really heavy for me to be a children's book, <laughs> honestly. You'll cry. Read it to your children. They might cry um, if they understand it. It's really a, it's a short story about a tree that is in this uh, – a boy who comes across a tree, and the boy loves the tree, and the tree loves the boy, right? Sounds um, 
you got to just read it. So it's basically the boy comes to the tree for needs. He climbs the tree, eats the tree's apples. He swings from the tree. Then he gets older and starts using the tree for a different purpose. So he's like, I need to build a house. So he cuts the tree, right? I need to build a boat. He uses the tree for the boat. And then he gets to the end. Should I spoil the end? I don't think nope. I should. Um, anyways, it'll make you cry. And it's a really great lesson um, about love. Agreed. Yeah. And you may go, why do I want to cry? Well, I'll tell you, last <laughs> week my wife scratched her eye and someone gave her the advice, you just need a good tear to lubricate that. Uh, so she was begging me to make her cry. <laughs> like, honey, what do you want me to I mean, do? So, hey, instead of asking your husband to make you cry, which could be damaging for your relationship, just read The Giving, the giving Tree. tree. Uh, yeah. My children's book is not nearly as emotional and it oh. won't make you cry. But as a kid, I just loved when my mom read it to me. And it was a book by Robert Munch <laughs> called Alligator Baby. Have, do any of you heard, have you, any of you heard of Alligator Baby? I it's the story of... Uh, family and the mother's getting ready to have a baby and they can't make it to the hospital in time. So they make it to the zoo and Ooh. they end up keep bringing back an animal as the baby instead of the actual baby. <laughs> and I don't know if this is honoring to parents. <laughs> so I apologize, Dan Kale. I apologize to the Stone family. But what ends up happening is the older sibling goes to the zoo and finds the baby and actually oh, brings man. the baby home. But I just loved it. It was super entertaining. Sounds like a wild ride. It is a wild ride, and since I am not confident that's honoring and beneficial for kids, here's a second one, and it's a classic, Corduroy. How about Corduroy? Yeah, corduroy. I don't know if this is where they got the idea for Night at the Museum, where <laughs> things come alive, but it could have been yeah, from Corduroy. It's a good book. I didn't realize it was made in the 60s. I think I have one that's from that time. Like Our copy of it is really old. Very cool, but I enjoyed that book as that's well. That's a good book, for sure. Awesome. Okay, we're wrapping it up. We thought we'd wrap it up with the spiritual category. Um, this book I've mentioned multiple times on the podcast, but I want to mention it again. And that is the book How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. Outside of the Bible, this book has impacted my life the most. Number one out of all these books and probably books to come, man. I don't know. Like This has just set the standard for me outside of the Bible. We got to get you to meet Zach Neese. I need to meet Zach Neese. Um it rocked me. It gives you such a great understanding about what worship is, who you are as a worshiper, and your role and your part to play. Um, How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. Here's a quote from it. I, th I think I've said this before, but he says, The religious heart says, I must do my duty in order to be of value to God. Worship is the opposite of religion. The heart of worship says, Jesus proved I am of value to God. I serve him because he is also of value to me. It is full of one-liners. That's not the reason why you read it, so you can put them on Instagram, but you read them and get them in your heart, and it will change the way you worship. Great book. My spiritual Christian book is Abba's Child by Brennan Manning, and that name may be well-known to you, and it may not be known to you. If you've ever heard the song, um, Abba. Well, I was going to name one oh. that was more frequently known by that band. Come on. Okay. You split the sea yeah. um, uh, so I can walk <laughs> right through God, it. No, no, no. What's it called? No Longer Slaves. No Longer Slaves. If you know that song and maybe me singing the chorus or the bridge inspired you to know that song, 
they had a good understanding yeah. of this guy's Jonathan David Helser. Jonathan David Helser and Melissa, and Melissa Helser. Yeah. They knew about this author. They've written some songs based off some of his teaching. And I listened to this book, and it's all about God's love and receiving God's love as Abba. And that's really the revelation of Brendan Manning. And I will read a quote from it. Here it is. It says, being the beloved is our identity, the core of our existence. It is not merely a lofty thought, an inspiring idea, or one name among many. It is the name by which God knows us in the way he relates to us. And that can seem like something that's like, oh man, am I really just going to sit around and think of God's love all day? I've got these the five second rule that I implement and <laughs> it might seem like it's too lofty and pious and mystical, but Here's another quote from him to show that he actually plants his feet back on the ground. And this one's a little heavy, but I really like it. When being is divorced from doing, pious thoughts become an adequate substitute for washing dirty feet. Ooh. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. When being is divorced from doing, pious thoughts become an adequate substitute for washing wow. dirty feet. So he has that ability to share his revelation knowledge of how it, what it's like being wrapped up in Abba's arms, but the application of that in serving the least of these and how to really separate yourself from the imposter that we have inside mm -hmm. of us that is concerned about uh, persona, exaltation, and self-seeking, how to get rid of that and really to know yourself as the beloved of Abba. Wow. Well, there you have it, folks. It was the first installment of the Sewing and Growing Book Club. All these books will be listed in the description. If you would like to give them a read or a listen, um, go ahead and do so. They they helped us, so hopefully they can help you too. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch Wait, you. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. We're not doing any wisdom of the day today? Uh, well, what's wisdom of the day? Yeah, book it, two. Well, what would you do? That's okay. Are we going right. to separate? No, we don't have to. Give me. You your can wisdom. edit this out of the podcast. Right, give me your wisdom of the day. I ain't editing nothing. Oh man, <laughs> my wisdom of the day is: ask God if you should read Alligator Baby to your <laughs> child or not. Uh, no, really, my wisdom of the day is: don't miss out on books. Books are powerful. Yeah, I think God could have determined how He wanted His wisdom to be shared with us, but He put it in a book, the Bible. Put it in the book. So. Don't forget about books. Audiobooks are good. That's my wisdom of the day. Mm. That is a good wisdom of the day. Don't forget about books. Renew your library card, folks. Um, visit your local library. You know, um, the Branch Chain Library, Garfield Branch Chain Library in Newcastle is actually really nice. Um, if you haven't Silt's been in the nice, new one, rifles nice. They're all most nice. libraries are are nice. <laughs> Go to a library. The wisdom of the day today, folks, is Seriously. libraries are nice. They are nice, and that green card I got, I loved that. I need to renew mine. You can get, they give you options of which card you want. They've got a few different designs. Uh, a lot of times we steer and shy away from tradition. I'm here to tell you right now, embrace tradition, go to a library, and it'll probably release some endorphins. Yeah, that's wisdom right there. Right. Now we can play ourselves out of this podcast. I'll do it. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your wisdom that has come out in these books, Father God, but help us not to just be hearers or readers, but also doers. We love you. We thank you for this time on this podcast. And I call each one of the listeners blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's it, folks. <laughs> yep. 
cool. this ain't Looney Tunes, but that's yeah. it. But we will be back next week on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with Jay and Jay. <laughs>